2: As John writes and he sees Jesus as the Lamb of God and he says a lamb slain from the foundation of the world from Genesis to Revelation that truth is there that God had a plan he had a purpose that plan was the sacrifice of his son for the sin of all mankind and now here we have Jesus the one that John the Baptist declared behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All of this, God had laid out before us. Now we have Jesus, the true Passover Lamb, coming to share that feast of Passover with the 12. It was not a coincidence that the crucifixion of Jesus was carried out during the time of
0: Passover. There is deep meaning in the timing of this great act of love. As Pastor David explains in today's message, long before Jesus was born into human flesh, God knew his purpose for him. In the same way that he presented the enslaved Israelites with protection from the death of the firstborn, he presented Christ as a sacrificial lamb, bringing salvation to anyone who accepts his gift. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, The Perfect Passover.
2: Nearly 1,500 years before the area that we're at this morning, God was working in the hearts and the lives of his people while they were still in bondage in Egypt. We're going to be looking this morning at at Luke chapter 22, but uh, uh, even as you find your place there, you can hold that place and then flip all the way back to the book of Exodus with me, if you would. It's Pretty easy to find. Genesis, Exodus, it's the second one. We're going to be in chapter 12. That's pretty easy to find. It's right after chapter 11. Just in case there's any struggles with math here. Exodus chapter 12, we're going to look at, the words that the Lord gave to his people while they were still in bondage. Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, we read, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. You see, God was going to do something brand new with this people he was going to actually make them a, a nation and he started out right there that's saying look we're going to start off fresh and new this is going to be a, a a new year we're going to start we're going to begin the year right now and he speaks to them about that this is going to be the first month of the year to you i want you to speak to the congregation of israel saying to them on the 10th day of this month Every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house Take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. So in other words, if you have a small family, one lamb might be too much for you to eat all in that night, so you could join together with your neighbor, and and together you would share that lamb. That's what he's speaking, because the instructions a little bit later is that they're to eat the whole thing, that there's not supposed to be anything left over or wasted. So we move on. Verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. God was preparing to take his children who had been in captivity for 400 years. He was preparing to take them out of that bondage of Pharaoh out from underneath his slavery while they were there in Egypt for so many years. He had heard the cry of his people, and so he had called Moses to come and lead the people away from Pharaoh and into the promised land of Canaan. God initiated for the people of Israel then a ceremony, whereas a young lamb, a young lamb not more than a year old, a young lamb without any kind of a blemish in perfect condition would be brought into the home of each house there, and on the tenth day of the month, he would be inspected there with the family for four days, and if found to be without blemish. He would then be sacrificed at sunset on the 14th day of that month. You've got to understand that lamb would become almost a part of the household at that point in time. Can you imagine having little children and this little one-year-old lamb there and you're taking care of it, you're feeding it. By now the children have named it within four days and, and it's actually become a part of the family. But then on the 14th day four days after bringing it into the home if that lamb was out blemished then the evening of the 14th day They would sacrifice that lamb and in a special way then they were to take the blood of that lamb and Paint it literally on the doorposts of the house and on the lintel of the door Going into the home look what it says here the word was really clear for them uh, down in verse 12 skip down to verse 12 if you would The Lord says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Jehovah. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you in the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, let me ask you, if you, if you uh, highlight your Bible, if you underline your Bible, if you write in your Bible, that portion of that 13th verse right there, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What a powerful declaration that is. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. He goes on to say, and the plague shall not be on you or dis- to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is the initial, the the very beginning of the Passover ceremony. Called to be a memorial, called to be a feast unto the Lord throughout their generations. It was to be kept as a feast by everlasting ordinance. Now that, all of that with an understanding for you, now you need to understand as we skip over to Luke chapter 22, this is the feast that Jesus is now about to celebrate with his disciples. There they are, the the closest of them, those 12, the ones that he had called the apostles. Oh, and by the way, guess who is with them? Judas. Judas is right there in the midst of them as Jesus celebrates this time together with his closest ones. All of this had been orchestrated by God Almighty. He had placed it in that great prophetic time clock. All of it was going to be fulfilled. Nothing was left to chance. Nothing was left to the whims or to the emotions of man. This was God's plan. This was God's purpose even before creation. You need to realize that all the way back in Genesis, Abraham declares prophetically that truth when he says God will provide for himself the Lamb. We also see in the book of Revelation, as John writes, and he sees Jesus as the Lamb of God, and he says, a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From Genesis to Revelation, that truth is there that God had a plan, he had a purpose, that plan was the sacrifice of his Son for the sin of all mankind. And now here we have Jesus, the one that John the Baptist declared behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world all of this god had laid out before us now we have jesus the true passover lamb coming to share that feast of passover with the 12. we find ourselves in luke chapter 22 down in verse 7. then came the day of unleavened bread when the passover must be killed And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you, carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he shall show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. And so they went and found it just as he had said to them. And they prepared the Passover. And When the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Oh yeah, Judas with them. And then he said to them, "With fervent desire I have desired to eat this passover with you before I suffer, for I say to you, I will no longer eat it, eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God." It was a time for the passover meal to be to be shared, to be celebrated. So Jesus sent Peter and John ahead into the city of Jerusalem to prepare the place in order that they might all gather together and eat that meal. And of course, neither Jesus nor any of his disciples were from Jerusalem. Remember, they were all from up in the Galilean area. They were just simply down now out visiting in Jerusalem. So where were they going to share this meal? A very valid question for them to ask. Where do we prepare this? Where do you want us to, to go to get everything set up for the meal? They fully understood what needed to take place. Now they were just wondering, where do we do these things? And so once again, we see the hand of God that's moving ahead of the disciples in preparation for the needs of the kingdom. And don't we find that so often even in our own lives? God actually moving before us and preparing things before us before we even have a need within our lives and God's hand is already there. So just as the Lord had provided through a different man earlier that week, remember that Sunday morning as they came into Jerusalem, that which is called the triumphant entry. And remember Jesus told his disciples, go into that village and you're going to see a young colt there. Go untie that colt. And when somebody comes and asks, hey, what are you doing ripping off my donkey? You can tell them, no, the master has need of this and he'll let you have it. How did that guy know? How did did that all work out? Did Jesus have advanced men that he sent into the village? How about here as we go into Jerusalem? We see the Lord is working something ahead of the need all for the kingdom's purposes. Jesus told his disciples there, Peter and John, when you go into Jerusalem, you're going to find a man there carrying a water pot and he's going to meet you there at the gate. You're going to go ahead and follow him. Now, a man carrying a water pot at that point in time would only be a little bit out of the ordinary. Usually it's the women that would be carrying the water pot. Ladies, you do most of the heavy lifting anyway, so you understand what that's all about. But usually it's in the morning when the women would be carrying the water pot. If it's later in the afternoon, this male servant would have been the one to go and get the water at that point in time. Again, usually the women, but because it was later on in the day, a male servant collecting the water would not have been that strange, would not have been that different. So this man, undoubtedly a servant of a homeowner there in Jerusalem, and they were to follow him and to the house where he was leading them. And once they got to that house, they were to speak to the master or to the owner of that house and declare to him, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he's going to show you a large, furnished upper room. That's where you'll make ready. Now, don't, no doubt, this individual, this master of this home, he was, he was a wealthy uh, homeowner there in Jerusalem. Who he was? We have absolutely no way of knowing. What his name was? We, we don't know. You, even out of, out of tradition, we don't have a name for this guy. We certainly don't have a name for that servant that had the water pot that he was carrying. And yet, you need to understand, God used both of these men, both of these men, to further the work of his kingdom. And every time I read events like this, and also about that, that man with the young colt that released him, I, I'm, I'm reminded that the vast majority of the saints and the servants of the Lord go without notice. Go without their name in light. Oh, beloved, throughout... Christian history, we, we, we know of multitudes of, of men and, and women. They, they become known maybe within their denomination or maybe throughout Christianity as, as a whole and maybe even names that the world is familiar with. Men like the apostle Paul and, and Peter. I mean, Paul, gosh, he started the Christian church in such a powerful way. Most of our New Testament written by Paul, Peter along with him, advancing the message of Christianity throughout the Roman Empire. We know their names. We also know names such as a man by the name of David Brainerd. And David Brainerd, uh, again, back in the 1700s, he was an American missionary to Native Americans. And the writings of David Brainerd were, again, influential in the lives of men like William Carey and even Jim Elliott. William Carey, again, in the late 1700s and early 1800s, father of modern missions, and he ministered in India. Adoniram Judson, again, late 1700s, early 1800s, ministered in Burma. Hudson Taylor in the late 1800s, spent 51 years ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ in the country of China. A woman by the name of Lottie Moon, again in the late 1800s, early 1900s, 40 years serving the Lord in China. Amy Carmichael, late 1800s, early 1900s, ministered in India for 55 years without a furlough. 55 years and no vacation time for Amy Carmichael. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, both of them that that were martyred as they went to preach the gospel and deliver the hope of the gospel to the native Indians there in Ecuador. Guys and names like Billy Sunday or Billy Graham or even today's Greg Laurie, names that the church, by and large, are familiar with. But you need to understand that when all of these names are added together, They are a small, small minority of the actual workings and the saints of God that are moving for the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. The vast majority of the servants of God that he uses for his purposes, they go unnamed and unrecognized by the rest of the world. But you know what? God knows your name. God knows your name. The world may never know it. You may never have an article written about you uh, in, in some Christian magazine. Your name may never be listed on the missionary board of any church, but the fact that you are a servant of the Most High God and you open your life up for him to use you and direct you in the simplest of things. You know what? Perhaps that guy over there, he just needs a word of encouragement. And you're willing by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go and bring encouragement. This woman over here, she seems to be so distraught. And you're willing to allow the Holy Spirit to use you to minister the hope and the truth of the gospel to this individual, or a neighbor, or a co-worker, or a family member, or however it may go. Your name may never be known in the time frame that we live in. Well, beloved, let me assure you of this one thing for certain. God knows your name and he knows the work of your hand. He knows your willingness for ministry. He knows the openness of your heart and your desire to be used for his kingdom's sake. All of these things, the vast majority, remain unnamed. They remain unrecognized by the world, and in most cases, even by the church. These are men, they're women, who aren't looking for man's praise. They're not looking for earthly rewards of any shape or size. They simply want to be found faithful to the leading and the directing of God in their lives. Being used by God for them is reward enough. They don't need titles. They don't need position. I don't need to have a business card and say, hey, this is what I do. I'm the Lord's servant. You can see me working for the Lord all the time. No, they don't need that. Why? Because their lives are simply lived. Lord, here am I. Send me. My hope, my prayer is that we become that kind of a church. That throughout this fellowship, educated, uneducated, wealthy not wealthy, Uh, whatever the situation, whether you be a single, whether you be a part of a family, whether you have a couple of decades uh, under your belt or whether you're a young person in the Lord, that again, we would be those people that say, Lord, here am I, send me. I don't have much to give to you. I don't have a great education. Maybe I can't speak before people, but Lord, you can equip me. You can empower me. You can gift me by your Holy Spirit to speak into people's lives and use me for your glory. And beloved, God then gets the great glory of that. It's not the accolades of man, but it's the glory of God. I was led to Christ by a man I don't even know his name. I was at a... At a crusade, and I'll just tell you this real quick. And, you know, they said, Hey, you want to receive Christ? I raised my hand. But then they called for that altar call to come down to the front. I said, I'm not going down there. And so I left. And as I left, there was a man behind me that saw me raise my hand. And I was just a young guy, I was a senior in high school. He came and put his hand on my shoulder. He said, I saw you raise your hand. Would you like to talk? And so that afternoon, we sat in the aisleway of Veterans Memorial Coliseum up in Phoenix. That man led me to Christ. I don't know his name, but God knows his name. And he's a saint of the Most High. For you and I to serve the Lord faithfully with no one seeing to be found faithful even without recognition, to do our Father's good pleasure when He's the only one that takes notice. This is a sign, beloved, of a faithful servant. This is a sign of a true child of God. And that's what I see in these two men, a simple servant carrying a water pot, and the master or the owner of a home that opens it up for the Lord's use. But on another note, let's look at this for a moment. How did this logistically play out? I mean, how, how did they put all this together? How did that guy know when to go get water so that when he was leaving from the well, Peter and John would be walking through the gate and say, that's got to be the guy. What happened if he went a half hour early? What, what would have happened then? How did the master of the house know to have that room ready, that that there was even going to be a, a need, and particularly that the need was going to be for Jesus himself? Well, in our human understanding, with, with our mortal logic, we, we, we would have had to have plans set up. Let's, let's uh, uh, coordinate our, 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 our watches here, make sure that he gets there at the same time we get there. Oh, by the way, don't forget, make sure and email the master of the home that he's got the house all ready. You might follow up with a, with a, a phone call just to make sure he's got everything. We would have had it all worked out. We would have had our advancement. We would have had people checking on it. But that's not the way it worked there. So how did it work? How did all of these things come to play? Open
1: our hearts. Change us from within by the open word.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word Podcast at TheOpenWord.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word Podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to TheOpenWord.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to TheOpenWord.com. Now here's Tracy, with information about how you can help partner with us.
1: We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is! We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting the open word. Go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the support option in the main menu.
0: We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.